to your account. Uh, Psalm 146 this morning. Psalm 146 is where we will be. This last week I had the privilege, as I mentioned, of going to a preacher's conference in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And the music up there was tremendous. And the, the spirit of the meeting was tremendous. Um, it started on Monday night. Monday night at 7 o'clock we had our first service and they brought their choir up to the stage and the choir is made up of many of the people of the church. About 50 people came up at the front of the church and began to sing songs. The first song that they sang was a song called Saved by the Blood of the Crucified One. And on the chorus of that song it says, Glory I'm saved, glory I'm saved, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. And I was taken back to the day that I trusted Jesus as my Savior. You see, that song, as I stood up from the altar, I I came down to the altar at a Baptist church when I was about 13 years of age. I bowed the knee before God as an unforgiven sinner. I had yet been unforgiven. I'd never believed on Christ. And when I believed on Jesus, I stood up a saved man. And the first song that came to my mind was that chorus of that song because that was the first day I had ever experienced the glory of God in my soul to where my sins were all forgiven and my guilt was all gone. (laughs) The song took me back to the day I got saved. And then uh, they sang a song as a congregational song called Hold the Fort for I Am Coming, Jesus Signals Still. And I went back to the day that God got on my heart and I surrendered to preach. I remember my pastor who's now on to be with the Lord. He told everybody to get their Bibles out and hold their Bible in their hand. And he told them when we get to the chorus where it says, wave the answer back to heaven, for everybody to wave their Bible in the air like that. When, when we were singing, hold the fort, he did that right before I preached my very first sermon. And as they sang this song, as I sang this song with this congregation, it was like I had a flashback of watching all those older people who invested into my life, my Sunday school teachers, the deacons, the preachers, all grabbing a Bible saying, wave the answer back to heaven. And it, it just filled my heart with, with joy. I'm thankful to be able to go to places like this and thankful for the church giving me the ability to, to take some time off and listen to preaching. It's good for a pastor to listen to preaching. And uh, there was about 70 preachers in this church. And they chose your pastor to preach on, uh, on Wednesday morning. When I was one of the six who preached on Wednesday morning. And I'm going to preach to you the message that God put on my heart for that meeting. In Psalm 146, if you have your Bible open there, I'd like to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able. If you're not able to stand, please, no problem, you can remain seated. But we'll stand, we'll read Psalm 146, we'll pray, and then we'll get into this preaching hour. Psalm 146 says... Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, 
which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. And for a few moments this morning, I'm going to be preaching a message entitled, That's My God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Help me, Lord, as I preach today. You know that I, I'm not capable of meeting the needs of those who are here. But Lord, I know that you are. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The scripture here talks about praising the Lord when it begins. Praising the Lord is a choice. Psalm 146 is one of the final concluding psalms of praise in the book of Psalms. Psalms has 150 chapters, and Psalm 146 basically is one of, it's the beginning of this segment of the scripture. Many people believe that Psalm 146 and 147 are seen as twin psalms. Both of these psalms include imagery that can be seen in the prophetic utterance of, of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 61, where the Lord said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it says that the Lord would proclaim the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. The, the Lord actually said, Isaiah 61, that he himself, Jesus Christ, was fulfilling Isaiah 61 when he came to Nazareth, his hometown, and preached his first sermon there in Luke chapter number 4. This is one of the several psalms that includes preaching or talking to yourself with the powerful phrase, O oh my soul, being used. Where it says in verse number 1, praise the Lord. Oh my soul, it is the psalmist talking to himself to praise the Lord. Sometimes you don't have much to praise the Lord about, at least in your view, because your problems have become bigger than your God. But when you're praising the Lord, you're making the Lord bigger than your problems, and the Lord is bigger and more, more powerful than any problem that you may have. One writer put it this way in reference to the Psalms, where the terms, oh my soul, were used. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Some people listen to their thoughts. Your thoughts can't be trusted because your thoughts are based on your feelings and your feelings are movable from day to day. If my wife would only be married to me when she felt like it, I assure you that we would no longer be married. Because there were times where she didn't feel like being married. There were times where I didn't feel like getting up in the morning and preaching. <gasps> There's times of weakness in my own life. I don't make decisions based on my feelings. Neither should you. The Bible says that your heart is deceitful above all things. You know, the, some, some modern people will say, well, follow your heart. I say, that's foolish, and so does the Bible. The Bible says you can't trust your heart. It says, whoso trusts in his own heart is a fool. 
Your heart is movable. It can be, it can be here one day and, and, and here the next. It's a, it's a movable thing. But when you're talking to yourself and encouraging yourself to do what the Bible says, that's a good thing. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. It is true that listening to yourself can be dangerous. It can be very dangerous. Every thought that comes to your head does not come from God. As a matter of fact, you, can't, you can see your humanity in your thoughts far more than any other thing because sometimes people will never utter something that came through their mind. I used to preach in the jail every week. You know, you know, you know what we found at the jail? Sinners. I walked into the jail the first time in Missouri. We were preaching at a, at a, uh, at a county jail. And this guy, Brother Russell Wagner, was there and he started singing a song, just joking around. I felt pretty uncomfortable. Because this was my first time preaching in that jail. And there were some rough looking characters walking in. And uh, Brother Russell started singing, Open that door and open it wide, let them sinners come inside. And I was thinking, Would you shut? Okay, I didn't. I was thinking it, I didn't say it. And then he, then he sang the next, the next song. They all got in. We had about 12 of them come in. There's 12 of them and two of us. And we're the only ones carrying a Bible. And then he said, shut that door and shut it quick. One of them sinners just chunked a brick. <laughs> I thought, isn't that the dumbest song I've ever heard in a jail? So, no, no, I just, I love Brother Russell. He was good for saying things like that. But, you know, you know what I saw there? I saw people that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what I see when I come to church? I see sinners. I see sinners saved, saved by grace. Many of us are saved by grace. But, you know, sometimes when I would talk to those men in jail, I'd say, you know, if all the thoughts that came through your mind since you got up this morning were put up on the big screen up in front, we would probably all run out of the building kicking and screaming. Because I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes our thoughts are pretty dark as human beings. They're wrong. They're wicked. You can think some horrendous things. Things come to your mind that you should not follow. But David here is talking about praising the Lord. It was David who in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 encouraged himself in the Lord. The Bible said he encouraged himself when his men spoke of stoning him. But I'd just like to say this. There's an importance listed about praise here. Talking to your soul to praise the Lord is important. Especially when you're going through the challenges of life. If you're going through a health problem today, you should tell yourself to bless the Lord. It's an important part of your life to praise the Lord. Does it say to praise the Lord sometimes or only when things are going good? Notice uh, if you flip your Bible back to Psalm 34, and we won't take time to run this rabbit trail too long. But the Bible says this in Psalm chapter number 34 and verse number 1 regarding how often you should praise the Lord. It says in Psalm 34 and verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When you get a bad prognosis at the doctor, I will bless the Lord at all times. When a child goes astray, I will bless the Lord at all times. When, when, so, when you get a demotion at work, I will bless the Lord at all times. You remember, the, you remember Job when he lost all of his children and he lost all of his wealth? He, sa he, he, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We ought to bless the Lord at all times. Praise is important. The Lord is bigger than your problems and the people in your life who cause them. Some people, they spend all of their day thinking about who offended them, who did them wrong, who made them bitter. In fact, 
Sometimes God's people have a hard time forgiving those from their past. And it's seen in what they talk about. They talk about someone who hurt them 15 and 20 years ago. I want to say this. This is not God's plan. It's not God's plan for you to harbor unforgiveness towards those who've caused you harm. If that's what you're talking about from 20 years ago, can I say this? Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord? I'll give praises to my God while I have any being. I firmly believe that our spiritual well-being and the health of our soul is often reflected by our speech. Proverbs chapter number 21, you're here in Psalm, just a few pages over to the right, the scripture says this about a troubled soul. We have a world full of people with troubled souls. And the psychologist will tell you that you need to vent. You need to get it out. You need to talk about all your problems. You ever met somebody that talked about their problems and never stopped talking about their problems? And they stirred their soul up continually. It was like a boil. It never came to a rest. That's not God's plan. The Bible says you need to be careful about what you speak about. And God does give you the ability to forget. If you don't think God gives us the ability to forget, let's talk to some of our older people today. I can't remember some things that I did. I don't don't remember some things that happened just last week. But some things it's good for us to move on from. The pains of the past. Proverbs 21 verse 23 says this. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Think about that. When you guard what you speak about, you can guard the troubled soul. Some people work their soul up as they talk about problems. I want to say this. Your problem should not consume your thinking. Your God should consume your thinking. Praise ye the Lord. Now the Bible talks in Psalm 146 after speaking to himself. And we'll get into some of the other songs where he said, Oh my soul, in the book of Psalms in just a moment. He says, while I live, I will sing praises. He says, while I live, while I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. In other words, as long as God puts life in me, I'm going to be praising the Lord. Then he goes on to talk about the futility of trusting in man. In verse number 3 and 4, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. Now in verse 3, I, I don't live in a kingdom to where there's princes. I live, I live in a place where there's presidents and vice presidents and congressmen and authority. So, you know, if you're going to talk about people in political power and not putting your trust in them, you aren't going to get an argument from me. I don't trust any of them. I don't trust a lot of what's going on in government today. Uh, the Bible says, put not your trust in princes, speaking of governmental authorities. The Bible also says, don't put your trust in man. It would be foolish for you to put your trust in man. Now listen, even your parents sometimes can let you down. The Bible says in Psalm 27, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. It's better to put your trust in God because at the end of the day, all mankind is mankind. Man is a, is a finite being. Things can change. Have you ever had a close relationship with somebody and in a snapshot of your life, you were very close with them and you trusted them and they did something that hurt you so badly that they violated your trust and you said, I'll never do that again because I put my heart out there and they stomped on my heart because they couldn't care less about me. The Bible says, put not your trust in princes nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. At the end of the 
day, our help comes from God, not from man. Our help is in the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The scripture says, in verse number four, speaking of man, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. God is not like man. God, God was here before man was here. God created the world. If we go to God with our problems, if we put our trust in God, we're putting our trust in the one who made us. We're putting our trust in the one who created this. He has full understanding of everything. Listen, there's nothing beyond the control and the thought process of our God. He is above it all. And if you put your trust in God, he'll never let you down. Put not your trust in princes, but put your trust in God. And the scripture goes on to say that one of the benefits, one of the benefits of of trusting in God is that you're happy. In verse number five, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord is God. Happiness is pronounced upon the man who has the God of Jacob for his help. Now, if you're not a Bible scholar and you don't read your Bible, I'd like to encourage you today. You're in church. Um, A pastor who doesn't encourage his people to read God's word is a false prophet. There's no time that I would tell you to listen to me and not God's word. I say to listen to God's word first. Now, God uses preachers to influence people. And I'd like to say this today. God gave us this book, and this book sailed through bloody seas. People attacked this book. If you speak English today, this book was firmly attacked by the powers that be. People burned at the stake. People were killed and drowned throughout the Dark Ages because people were burdened with translating this from the Greek, the Hebrew, and the Aramaic into the English language. English is the language of the world today. This Bible can change your life, and the devil was very against this book getting sent to you. The devil doesn't want you reading this book. But this book should be a part of your daily life. One of the things this book talks about is who Jacob was. Jacob was the, was the grandson of Abraham, the father of the Jews. And the Bible, there's some significance to this. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Who is the God of Jacob? Well, this term, the God of Jacob, is found 13 times in the Psalms and 12 other times in the Bible itself where it speaks of the, the God of Jacob. So apparently this God of Jacob was a pretty significant thought. Now, if you don't know who Jacob was, you can find him in the book of Genesis. His life actually takes up 25 books, of 25 chapters in the book of Genesis. Now, for those of you who are Bible scholars, how many chapters are there in Genesis? 50. There's 50 chapters in Genesis, and Jacob's life takes up from chapter 25 to chapter number 50. This is a significant Bible character. If you get to know who Jacob was, Jacob was a deceitful man. He was conniving. He did what he could to get what he wanted. And there came a time in Jacob's life where he began to wrestle with God and God put a hollow part in his thigh and and, and Jacob said that he, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and that he'd seen God and he said, I won't let you go till you bless me. And God ended up blessing him, but he left there with the hobble. Jacob had a dysfunctional family. His kids hated each other. His older sons threw Joseph into a pit and sold him as a slave. But you know, later in Jacob's life, God brought him back into contact with Joseph and allowed him to spend the last 17 years of his life in Egypt being nourished by his, by his son Joseph. One thing that you'll know about Jacob if you read through his life is that Jacob was far from perfect. Jacob made a lot of mistakes. So if you have ever failed, 
if you're a person that struggles with sin, you can identify with Jacob. And the Bible says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. You know what God did for Jacob? He helped him. If you flip your Bible back to Genesis 48, Genesis chapter number 48, the scripture says this. This is the story where, where Jacob is blessing the sons of jo- Joseph at the end of his life. In Genesis chapter number 48, Jacob is talking about what God had done for him through his life. And in verse number 3, as he speaks to his beloved son, Joseph, who he'd been estranged from for many years. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Jacob said it was God that appeared to him and blessed him. In verse number 11, if you, I'm, I'm going to try to build this. I'm going to try for you to understand what the scripture's saying here. But recognize this. Jacob's son was sold as a slave and Jacob thought he was dead because his sons brought back his coat and dipped it in blood. So Jacob was deceived for many years believing that Joseph was dead. Now, God has sent a message from Joseph himself. Joseph's not dead, but he's alive. I want you to read the heart of Jacob as he's talking to his son Joseph, who he never even thought he'd see again, in verse 11. Now God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So in verse number 11, where it says, Israel said to Joseph, he's he's talking about Jacob talking to Joseph. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. Jacob's saying, look at how much God has blessed me. Look at what God's done for me. I didn't even think I'd see you again, and now I got to see your children. This was a blessing to Jacob. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Verse 16, he's referring here to the wrestling match he had with the angel in Genesis chapter 32. And the the angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads. He's talking about the, the wrestling match where he was redeemed. Have you been redeemed? Have you ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? This is how we're redeemed today. But that's how he was redeemed in the Old Testament. He said, the the angel that redeemed me from all evil. What is he referring to? The blessings of life. I just want to say this. If you live your life for the Lord, God's going to bless you with some happiness. Some of you may not believe it. You know, some of you young people think if you live for the Lord, he's going to give you somebody to marry who you're not going to be happy with. So you're going to choose to do it all on your own. I'm just here to tell you, God knows exactly how to fill your needs. And God will put the right person in your life when the time is right. And if you live for the Lord, He's not going to give you things that are going to displease you. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. But it takes faith to serve the Lord. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. In spite of all Jacob's failures, God had blessed him and filled his heart with goodness in the days of his dying. The Bible talks about this man being happy who trusts in the Lord. It goes into Psalm 146, you know, a doctrine that's been under attack for the last 50 years in the United States of America is the doctrine that God created the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and in Psalm 146, it refers to the God of heaven as the one in verse number 6, God made heaven. This earth didn't come about by a big explosion. It came about because God put it there. God hung the stars in the sky. God made you. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Never doubt the fact that God made the world. The world didn't come about by happenstance. And you didn't evolve from a monkey. 
and you didn't evolve because it rained on rocks for billions of years. You came about because God created man and woman in his image. And man was obedient to the Lord by being fruitful and multiplying. The Bible speaks of all these things in the book of Genesis. The Bible says in verse uh, 6 of Psalm 146 that God made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is. And then the Bible says that the Lord keepeth truth forever. Some people wonder whether or not truth can be kept forever. This means to all generations. Now if you're here in Psalm 146, flip back to Psalm 100. If you listen fast, I'll talk fast, but you've got to stay with me. I love the turning of pages. Psalm chapter number 100, I, was, I was, uh, had to memorize this verse when I was growing up. The Bible says in Psalm 100, uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Notice verse 3, dealing with the creation. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God created us. This is how you come into the presence of God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Notice, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. And notice what it says about his truth. And his truth endureth to all generations. You know what this means for you? The truth is here and you can find it. It's not going to be found in what the culture is telling you. This culture is very confused. Young people, the culture's confused. God's word is true. God's word is right. God will tell you the truth about life. And if you follow the truth, you'll end up in a good place. But if you follow lies, the lies of the devil, you will not end up in heaven when you die. If you follow lies, you won't end up with a blessed life. If you follow lies, it doesn't end well. But thank God that his truth endures to all generations. And, and I'm thankful for that. It says that throughout the scripture in Psalm 146, it says it there. It says, which keepeth truth forever. And the truth is still available to us today. The Bible says that our God is a God who executeth judgment for the oppressed. It describes God starting in verse number, number five. And then in verse six, it tells you who he is. He's the one that created everything. Now it starts telling you what, what things God does. Our God executes judgment for the oppressed. That means he's watching what we're going through. There were some wicked things that happened with Joseph in his life. His brothers sold him as a slave. That was unfair and unjust. Took his coat from him, separated him from his family. Later he ends up in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife casts her eyes at him and says, Hey, sleep with me. Because nobody's here. Joseph says, no, I can't do that. She caught his coat, and he ran out of the house. She caught his coat, ran out of the house, and then she falsely accused him. Said, he tried to take advantage of me when he was alone with me in the house. It was the furthest thing that ha from ha what happened. It was a false accusation. And Joseph was thrown into jail, and he was oppressed for those years. It was unfair what took place to him. In the book of 1 Samuel, in the first chapter, there was an adversary for a woman named Hannah. She was oppressed. Her womb had been shut up. She wanted to have a child, and God ended up opening her womb, but she was oppressed. There's a lot of people in this world who are oppressed. We live in a perverted society. We come into contact with sometimes people who have been oppressed. They've been abused by other people. Abuse is running rampant in this society today. 
And we come into contact with the after effects of sometimes people who've been physically abused, emotionally abused, morally abused. The Bible says that our God's a God that executes judgment for the oppressed. That's my God. God has a justice system and he is watching. In in Genesis, in the beginning part of Genesis, you'll find a woman named Hagar who due to no fault of her own was with child and she had Ishmael. And she was cast out of the house due due to no fault of her own. And God found her where she was when she was calling out to God. And she said, I'm drinking from the well of Berla Hyroi, which means thou God seest me. No matter what you're going through in your life, God sees you. He executes judgment for the oppressed. You should take hope in the fact that God can help you even if you are oppressed. You should never side with an oppressor, by the way. You should always seek for justice, by the way, as God's people, because this is an attribute of God. He executes judgment for the oppressed. The Bible says that the Lord gives food to the hungry. I'm thankful that we're about to put some some cows and whatever meat hot dogs come from in our bellies in just a few moments. But the Lord gives food to the hungry. There was a man from our church, and we we were ministering in a nursing home uh, not long ago, and his name was Harold White. He's on to be with the Lord now. Harold uh, was madly in love with his wife. He was a widower. She'd been dead for about 25 years, and he had a picture that was huge that he had hanging in his, in, his, in his room. He never wanted to forget his wife and never did forget her. He, he took her name on his lips to the day he left this earth. But he, we were, we were uh, talking there one day, and he said, oh, what I wouldn't do for some bluegill. He grew up on, in Indiana eating bluegill. And I went to our church called Grants Creek Baptist Church where we were at in Indiana, and I mentioned it from the pulpit, and there were some, 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 some guys from the country in that church, and they said, we know just the pond to go and get some bluegill. And they pulled me out a mess of bluegill, and I gave them to my wife, and she fried up these, these bluegill for Harold, and he started dumping salt all over, his, all over his food. He put so much salt on it, that it's almost like he had more salt than he had fish, and he was supposed to be on a low-sodium diet, and the, the nurse went running out there and saying, he's supposed to be on a low-sodium diet. The other nurse was like, honey, he's 102, he can do what he wants. <laughs> and he was, he was 102 years old when I gave him food. It was the Lord that put that fish in that pond. The Lord gave food to the hungry. In 2 Kings chapter number 7, there were some lepers who were starving to death outside of a city. And God spooked everybody into town and nobody was left. And during a time of famine, they went and ate to the full. These were lepers that were hungry in the Old Testament. I'm just here to tell you the Lord gives food to the hungry. And we don't have time to go into all that. But the Bible says, the Lord loseth the prisoners. Joseph was taken out of jail to interpret a dream for Pharaoh in the book of Genesis. The Lord loosed him. In Acts chapter number 12, some other of the disciples of the Lord had been put to death, and Peter himself, the apostle Peter, was put in jail. And God shook that prison and loosed his chains off him and let him come out and come to the church meeting where people were praying for him. The Lord looseth the prisoners. And I'm here to tell you, if you've ever been lost before, you were, you were a prisoner in your, own, in your own heart. You needed somebody to loose you. How many of you have been freed from your chains? My chains are gone, I've been set free, as the song said. We sing songs about the Lord loosing our chains. If you're saved by the grace of God, you've been loosed from the jail, the jailhouse of your sin. We're thankful for that. The Bible says the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. There was a man named Bartimaeus in the New Testament. He heard that Jesus, the son of David, was coming by. The son of David was a messianic term. He had been to some kind of religious school where he thought that Jesus, who was coming by his way, was the son of David, that he was the prophesied about Messiah. And he 
said these words, a blind man, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And people were like, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Nobody wants to hear you. Jesus doesn't have time for you. And the Bible says he cried out the more saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Lord Jesus stood still for that man and called for Bartimaeus and brought him to him. And he said, what do you want for me to do to you? He said, oh Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus healed him, and he gave sight to the blind. Jesus could heal a blind man, and he could heal you. We sing the song Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Some of us know what it's like to be spiritually blind. But the Lord shined that light down into our hearts, and we were saved by the grace of God. Thank the Lord that he opened the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. There's probably somebody here today in a group this size. Somebody who has things going on in their life that perhaps nobody else could understand. And maybe in your heart and in your life, you are bowed down. You've been beaten down. Everything in life seems to be going against you. But I'm here to tell you that my God's a God who raises those who are bowed down. And God also uses people to lift people up who are bowed down. Help us, Lord, not to throw stones at people when they're down and not to put our foot on their neck. Some of God's people are terrible at saying things at the wrong times. Sometimes people don't even need you to say anything. They just need you to be there for them. There are some people that are so depraved of soul that they can't take just a moment to give to somebody who's bowed down. The Bible says the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. You ever been bowed down in your life? You ever had something going on in your life and you were so far down? You were pushed down and you had the Lord say, hey, lift your head up. It's going to be okay. I'm thankful that we have a God that lifts up those who are fallen. The Bible says the Lord loveth the righteous. The Bible says the God's good to Israel in Psalm 73, even to such as of a clean heart. My prayers go with Israel today as they're suffering. Many people are over there suffering even as we speak. The Bible talks about the Lord preserving the strangers, and we don't have time to go into that, but a a stranger is a foreign-born person, and God tells his people never oppress a stranger. The Bible says, in fact, that you're supposed to love the stranger. In verse number 9, it says, "This this is who God is. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. You know, one of the things that our Bible says about God is that our God loves a widow, and he loves the fatherless. Never take advantage of a widow, and never take advantage of an orphan. James chapter 1 and verse 27 talks about pure religion. This is what it says. This is how God looks at our pursuit of him through religion. Measure your life by this verse. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's what pure religion and undefiled before God is. I hope as one of God's people, you're involved in these things. Visiting widows and visiting orphans is all of our jobs. And may God put his blessing on that verse in your life. That should be a life verse for you. This is a pure pursuit of the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 9, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. We'll close with these words here today. I didn't have enough time to preach through all of this, but in the book of Esther... In the first chapter, or, you know, throughout the book of Esther, there's a wicked man that we find there. His name is Haman. Haman was, was promoted by the king at that time. And he walked into town one day, and some Jewish man wouldn't bow down the knee to him. He wouldn't bow the knee to this man named Haman, and it made him so mad it ate his lunch. 
that this Jewish man didn't pay homage to him. The Bible talks about him building these gallows. He was going to hang him on the gallows. Not only was he going to hang Haman, he was going to put all the Jews to death. This man was a mischievous man. I want to tell you something about the Jews. They're going to be here till the end of the world. Jerusalem's going to be here till the end of the world. Jesus is going to come back and rule and reign from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where the church started. If people are developing nuclear weapons, they're not going to be landing on Israel, I can tell you that. Let those truths sink in. Israel's going to be here. But this man devised a way in which he could kill all the Jews, and he built these gallows to hang Haman upon him. And you know what God did to Haman? He was hung on the gallows that he built himself. Because you know what the Bible says? That our God can turn the way of the wicked upside down. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Talks about God reigning forever in verse number 10. And we don't have time to get into all that. Perhaps we'll try to break some of these things down and go into some more services. But what I could say is this. Psalm 146 is an encouragement to those who are believers. To focus upon the Lord, to praise the Lord, and to focus upon the attributes of our God. You don't have a problem that God cannot solve. The first major problem that men have is the problem of their sin. There could be here somebody today, and you need to get saved. You've never been saved by the grace of God. I'm here to tell you that the gospel still works today as it did when the gospel was first preached. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can be saved gloriously from your sin and your sins can be forgiven. And God never wants you to get over the fact that you have been saved from your sins. If you're saved, you ought to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. But if you're not saved, I want to encourage you to be saved before it's too late. You say, how do I get saved? Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that there's no way to get saved outside of Jesus Christ and put your faith and trust in Jesus and through what he did on the cross to save you. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, for a home in heaven when you die. If you're not saved today, Christ bids you be saved. If you are saved, I pray that as we read through Psalm 146, that you saw some of the attributes of God that have built you and helped you in life, the preaching of the Word of God should encourage the heart of those who know the Lord. Now, I don't know how God spoke to your life today, but I hope and trust that He spoke to you. If God is speaking to your heart, we're going to have this moment of invitation in just a moment. It's where we'll have the music play. We invite people to come down to the altar. Maybe you need to get saved today. If you need to get saved, we want you to feel welcome to come down and get saved. If you need to come and use the altar to pray, we didn't even get into all these verses about hope, but I'm going to tell you something. We serve a God who wants to raise you up. He wants to give you hope. There's hope in the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare to have this verse of invitation. There could be somebody here today who's lost. Say, Pastor, you preached a little bit long. I hope I didn't lose you. I hope you were able to hang, hang with us throughout the service. Preaching can build your heart and your life. God uses the foolishness of preaching to knock on the heart's door of people who are lost. Even those who are saved, God uses preaching to convict us, to help us. And maybe today, God spoke a word to your heart. 
As Brother John sings verse number one, we invite you to come. The Lord spoke to you. Say, Pastor, I'm lost. Never been saved. We invite you to come. Won't you come? Say, what do I have to do to be saved? Trust the Lord. Trust Him now. Let's all sing on verse number two. Lord Jesus shed his precious blood rich blessings to bestow plunged now into the crimson flood that washes house today. I have quite a crowd out here for Sunday morning, and we're certainly thankful that you chose to worship with us today. It's been our greatest blessing to see some of you visitors we've never seen before. Thank you for coming. Uh, As we've announced before, um, after the service is over, if you are parked on this side of the building, if you would just move your car to the front or to this parking lot over here, that will help us to maintain some order with all the events that we have going on. Uh, For those of you who were maybe not prepared to eat here, I promise you that you will have food in your mouth quicker than any restaurant that you might visit here in this area. And Brother Jeff cooks a mean burger. I'm going to tell you something. This guy can cook some burgers, and uh, nobody really knows what kind of meat is in a hot dog, in fact, but uh, we know that it can be blessed to the ministry. And uh, I definitely will be putting one of those in the ministry today, and Uh, We invite you to stay and have a good time of fun and fellowship. If you need to change, uh, feel free to use one of the restrooms here in the building and then make your way outside. Uh, We've got plenty of things that are set up. uh, How many of you guys have ever played cornhole? It's kind of the new way to, it's like a lazy man's horseshoes. (laughs) It would be good to throw some bean bags around and play some cornhole today. Who's the best one at cornhole in this church? Anybody? Lily says she's good at it. I kindly doubt that. But anyway, uh, anyway, if you, if, who else is good at, at cornhole? Jacob, you are not good at cornhole, son. You may be good at eating corn, but you ain't good at cornhole. We'll have a good time out there. We'll probably throw a football and some things around. And uh, we have uh, some tables set up for those that would like to sit down and eat. And uh, children, uh, we're going to have order when it comes to these things. We're not going to put too many people in the, the obstacle course. There are going to be people there who are guiding you through these things and giving you a turn. Uh, so uh, please exercise patience when we're out here. But let's have a great time of fun and fellowship today. I'm going to call Brother Lonnie Barnes up to the pulpit and ask him to close the service in prayer. Now, this morning we reported that Provy Martin is headed for surgery. She's not heading for surgery. She's actually going to have that dye put into herself. 
and uh, to determine whether or not she needs surgery. Brother Lonnie, come on up, brother. But our dear brother Lonnie is going for, for a surgery this Thursday, and our prayers are with him. This has been one of the finest servants we've had since I've come to this church. When we've needed stuff done over at this house over here, Brother Lonnie was right there with me. And uh, I'm thankful for Brother Lonnie and Miss Chris for God bringing them to this church. If you're thankful for them, say amen. amen. Brother Lonnie, why don't you close the service in a word of prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it is such a privilege to be in your house today, Lord. And thank you for all the visitors that have come, Lord, and each one that's here today, that they got a special blessing from your word, Lord. And, and just thank you for touching our hearts and our lives, Lord, to, to help us along the way and, and uh, to save us, Lord, that when we turn to you in faith. Thank you, Father, for all your many blessings. I ask you to watch over each and every one that's uh, going to be going through the obstacle courses and the bounce houses and all that. Just watch over, protect them, let no one get injured. And we thank you, Father, for this time of fellowship that we could have today. And we ask you to bless this day and this week in Jesus' name. Amen.